Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com Spotify. TommyJohn.com Spotify. See site for details. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. Hello and welcome to another episode of Out With Susie Ruffle. This is series six, episode three. Thank you so much for all of you that got in touch with me last week after Jordan's episode. It seems that so many things that she said resonated with so many of you and you loved hearing her story. So I was so thrilled that I could share that conversation with you. I've got another brilliant conversation today with Adam B, who you may be aware of, you may not. He is a hugely successful YouTuber. Uh, His videos have been watched half a billion times, half a billion times. I mean, just incredible. And he's, he's only in his early twenties and he's recently come out and he actually got in touch with me because he wanted to share his story on the podcast. So I can't wait to share that conversation with you. It's quite unusual to have someone so young on the podcast, but I was so interested in what he had to say. And I wish I was as brave as as he is when I was in my early 20s. Um, But onto that conversation shortly. As always, I will share a couple of listener emails. As ever, I've got so many to choose from and so many gorgeous stories, but I'm always looking for more. Please do get in touch with me. The, uh, The email address, as always, is hello at outwithsusieruffle.com. Get in touch, share your story, share your feelings. I always wanna hear from you. Okay, dear Susie, I recently went to one of your shows in Nottingham. I had a fabulous time. Thank you so much for a wonderful show. I mentioned to you afterwards that I was writing an email to you and messaged you on Instagram after the show. I've only just read it back and I'm slightly horrified. I sent that after a little bit too much vino. Anyway, I've been meaning to do this for some time. I'm a huge fan of Out and of course, like-minded friends. Over time, I have listened to you share other people's coming out stories with kindness and grace. So I would like to share mine, well, where I am now. What I want to share is more focused on where I am now than where I was. One of my closest friends referred to me as inside out. This perfectly captures my coming out story. A few times in the past, I stepped out and then had to go back in because it felt safer there. I started listening to out in 2021 as part of my new goal of trying to be more authentic In the new year of 2022, I sat down and made a list of all the parts of myself I would like to share, though they caused discomfort. Naturally, at the top of the list was my sexuality. My fear and discomfort around this was crippling and spiralling into different areas of my life. Though I know comparison is the theft of joy, I still felt behind my peers, particularly in terms of my relationships. Growing up, I had to hide mine. So it was not the best start. I decided that my new baseline for compassion was going to be focused on bridging the gap between where I am and where I would like to be. 
So my new goal was to become comfortable with being gay. I wanted normalcy. And frankly, I did not want to live with the fear of being found out. I immediately joined the LGBTQ network at work and offered to write a piece on lesbian representation. I decided to choose media depiction and the resource I recommended was your podcast out. I think your podcast has an enormous impact on people's lives and I really wanted to share this. My article was published and later was published again for Lesbian Visibility Week. This was huge for me. This was at the top of the newsletter that circulated throughout my entire workplace that lands in everyone's inbox. And it's a big place, so I was really putting myself out there. This was probably my 50th coming out, a process which I'll be doing for the rest of my life. My hope is that each time it becomes more comfortable. I also felt I had a sense of responsibility to my students. I often embed equality, diversity and inclusion in the curriculum, one of the perks of higher ed. The question I had for myself was, how can I stand here in front of my students when I'm scared to be my authentic self? The answer was that I just couldn't, though I completely respect and understand why other people are not in a safe position to do this. This was a standard I just set for myself. I started doing work to diversify the modules, though I was worried it not, might not be well received. I decided that was more important than anyone's discomfort. This also led to other opportunities where I felt I could make a difference. I was asked to deliver training for HR on LGBTQIA communities and domestic abuse. Domestic abuse is my area of expertise, so it was great to bring those two worlds together and create a more open dialogue. When I realised I was gay, I knew there was no going back. Even though I was still the same person, everything around me was probably going to change. I'm not a huge fan of uncertainty, like many people. Despite this, I still love the chocolate, Revels, though I actually take tiny bites first to check whether I'm getting coffee or orange. I like the coffee ones. So here I am, embracing the uncertainty and giving other people permission to understand me. Whilst I'm still figuring things out, i.e. keeping my internalised homophobia in check, I realise that a lot of this is due to my socialisation and I can undo parts of this. For this reason, I feel a personal responsibility to live as my authentic self and be brave. Thank you for sharing your wonderful podcast with the rest of the world. I don't want to embarrass myself, but I do see you as a role model and your podcast has given me so much courage for what you do for the LGBTQ plus community is inspiring and supports me to be who I am. I can't wait to see what you do next. All my very best, Jess. Oh, Jess, it was so nice to meet you very briefly at my, uh, at my gig and, um, and, and don't be embarrassed for your Instagram message. You, you were just telling me you were on a date, which was adorable and lovely. Um, I, I hope the date went very well. This uh, email really meant so much to me. I've heard that phrase, comparison is the theft of joy before, but it, I'd sort of lost it somewhere in my brain. And I was so pleased that you reminded me of it. It's something that I think comes up a lot for lots of people in different areas of their life. For me, it's often to do with work to do with stand-up, to do with the jobs that I get, the jobs that I don't get, to do with doing self-tapes where you sort of record yourself having a go at doing an acting job and, you know, more often than not, you'll send out a tape and then just never hear anything back. And, you know, you can't help but compare yourself to people that you feel like are a couple of steps ahead of you somehow. But they're not, are they? That's the thing. They're not really ahead of you because we're all on a different road. So how... How could you know? But I think it's really important to sort of, um, to highlight that. And I wanted you to know, Jess, that I feel like I'm constantly comparing myself to other people. 
the fact that you, you think of me as a role model, which is a, a beautiful, gorgeous thing to say. I feel exactly the same as you in different areas of my life. I'm always comparing myself and I'm always feeling like I'm not quite getting things right or that I'm not quite doing well enough. And yeah, maybe it's good for you to know that. But I really enjoyed your email and I think you're being super brave and living as your authentic self is the bravest thing you can do. And I read the article that you attached that you wrote and I thought it was brilliant. And thank you for, for citing my podcast in it. Uh, maybe there's some new listeners because of you. So hello to you guys too. Okay, let's have one more email before we get on with today's conversation. Hi Susie. Firstly, I want to say thank you for your amazing podcast. I've only recently discovered it and I've been binge listening over the summer holidays. Brackets, I'm a teacher. Oh, two messages from teachers today. So thank you for coming along with me on walks and pottering around the garden. I've just completed series five. I'm an out and proud lesbian now, though much like yourself, I prefer to just say gay. Though it took me a long time to come to terms with my sexuality. I reckon I knew I was gay when I was in my early teens, but I was terrified anyone would find out as I'd never heard or seen any positive representation of gay women, and they always seemed to be like the butt of a joke. So I didn't tell anyone until I was almost 18 that I was gay. At this time, it felt so old. I felt like I was a late bloomer. But having listened to your podcast, I realised I really wasn't. However, the first person I told doesn't fit with your typical coming out story. I told my line manager. I was a volunteer activities worker and had been doing so for over five years. And my line manager had been my supporter and my mentor for even longer. Our project had been nominated for an award and we were attending a conference and presentation. The conference didn't feature any queer people, but it was so amazing to hear so many spokespeople who had overcome a range of adversities to get where they are. It was truly inspiring. Also throughout the day, my line manager was talking about planning her wedding, her upcoming wedding to a woman. At the time, I felt in complete awe how open she was about marrying a woman, especially since it had only just become legal in Scotland at the time. It stirred a lot of feelings inside me and it took me all day. But on the train home that evening, I finally plucked up the courage to ask her how she knew she was gay. She then told me her coming out story, which I won't share because it's not mine to share. But it was so positive and I couldn't get away with how open and honest she was. So she asked me why I'd asked. This was it. The first time I said it out loud, I think I might be gay. There was no think, I knew it, but even then I didn't want to confirm it. I burst into tears as I finally released a huge weight that I had bore for such a long time. She recommended I speak to another member of the team who was the LGBTQIA youth worker. So the following day I met them both in the office for a cuppa in a chat. They had got together leaflets and printed out information about sexuality and coming out, all contained within a brown A4 envelope. I read through the info every night for weeks, hiding the envelope under my mattress for fear that anyone would find them and find out. I slowly came out to my friends who were all amazing and accepting. It took me another two years to gain the confidence to come out to my family. That experience was less positive, but I have grown to accept this and focus on the positives. I will forever be grateful to my line manager for being so wonderful and supportive of me coming out. That a small amount of representation made such a huge difference to me and I hold that wherever I go. As a teacher, I try to be that representation to my students, ensuring I share stories with LGBTQIA themes, as it is now part of the Scottish curriculum. Unfortunately, I have faced homophobia in the workplace, being told I should watch out what I wear because you don't want to be known as the lesbian teacher. I had on a jazzy shirt and brogues, a living stereotype apparently, though I think my long hair and makeup confused them. Where once this would have sent me into a shame spiral, I use this as kindling 
to ignite the fire within me to keep fighting for LGBTQIA plus inclusion in schools. As I'm typing this, I'm at the airport. I'm about to fly to Europe to train formal and non-formal educators from across Europe in developing LGBTQIA plus inclusion practices with the aim they train others to do the same. My favourite part of your podcast is when you ask the interviewee the final question of calling their younger selves. Well, if I could call my younger self, I don't think she would believe that one day she would be an out and proud lesbian travelling the world and sharing her experiences. Like so many of your listeners and guests, I feel I lost out on my teenage years as I was so scared that someone would discover my secret. But I think if I'd seen people like you and your guests, maybe I would have been comfortable with the real me. I'm going to stop there because this email has gone on much longer than I expected. And two, my plane is ready to board. Thank you for all you do. And I look forward to listening to your podcasts, though not sure I can wait a week between episodes. Take care and all my love. And that's from Kay. I um, loved receiving this email. Thank you so much. And thank you for the work that you do. I think so often we think, oh, it's all sort of, well, not necessarily we, but so often the world, certainly in our country, can think, oh, well, everything's fine now for queer people. We can get married and we can have children. But those niggling bits of homophobia, we all feel them, don't we? Or biphobia or transphobia. Certainly transphobia, I know that is something that is rife in the media and in the world at the moment. But, but all those prejudices you know, you can't help but be aware of them. I know that from when, you know, being with the baby and someone says, oh, what does your husband do? And I just have to, you know, come out again. Oh, no, no. My wife, we're a double mum club. And, you know, most of the time you assume people are going to be fine with it. You know, now I live in Brighton, I'm pretty certain. But you never know, do you? And I think the work that you do is helping that. And so thank you for that. And uh, thank you for sharing your story with me. Right, let's go on with today's conversation. As I mentioned, Adam B, an enormously successful YouTuber. So lovely, so gorgeous, so full of life, so brilliant and such a joy to chat to. He made me feel young. Imagine that. What a treat. Uh, let's go on with that conversation. Hello, listener. Well, I'm very excited for today's conversation. Once again, I have a brilliant guest that I'm so excited to share with you. Adam B is a YouTuber, actor and television presenter. He was co-presenter on CBBC's The Dog Ate My Homework and was the 40th Blue Peter presenter. He has over 3 million YouTube subscribers and a total of more than 600 million views incredible. He shares his life, his family, his dreams, and is also a wickedly funny prankster. In July this year, he took the very brave steps to come out and share his true self with his fans across the globe in a beautiful video with his family simply titled, I'm Gay. He's just released his first children's book, Adam Wins the Internet, released just last week and has already become a bestseller. So at just 23, he can add best-selling author to his already outrageously brilliant CV. I'm delighted to be chatting to him today. Hello, Adam. Hello, Susie. It's so good to finally chat again. It feels like it feels like years since since we last spoke. Well, it has I mean, been it is years. It is yeah. years, isn't it? It is years <laughs> since we last spoke. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, I'm good. I'm I'm just recovering from the manic week last week. That was book week. Um, yeah, I've had loads of events on. I've had like lots of parties and then um, met lots of people. So it's nice just to take a take a breather this week and sort of reflect on on what happened. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, when I met you, we met doing the dog ate my homework about yeah. three three and a half years ago, maybe, and 
you were already a real YouTube sensation for want of a better word. <laughs> oh, stop it, Susie. No, you are. And I, you know, which is a world that I really don't understand. And it makes me feel like I am around 104. <laughs> but I mean, it's just gone from strength to strength to strength. I mean, a best selling author after five, yeah, five days since publication. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, I know. I know. It, it, it's crazy. And that, that's what I mean. It seems like a lifetime ago since the dog ate my homework. Um, and since, since we worked together mm. and it's just been, it's just been crazy. Like the whole journey from, from doing dog ate my homework to then doing Blue Peter and then from doing Blue Peter to, to finally bringing out Adam wins the internet. And now that Adam wins the internet is like bestseller in Ireland. Um, it's just like, it, I don't know. It's like a dream come true. It feels it feels too good to be true. I feel like someone's going to wake me up like tomorrow and be like, "Ha ha, pranked ya!" <laughs> no, that's what you'd do. That's the thing. You're <laughs> yeah, just exactly. waiting to be pranked. Maybe Susie. Maybe this is like some big prank where like some rich person has just bought like loads of copies of Adam Wins the Internet <laughs> and put me in the best seller spot accidentally. I just take but, yeah. it. Take it and run. <laughs> exactly. Jokes on them. <laughs> Elevate every morning with Tommy John's Second Skin Underwear. The luxurious support of Second Skin guarantees everything will go smoothly. With over 20 million pairs sold and thousands of five-star reviews, guys love Tommy John. Plus, your most valuable assets are covered with Tommy John's best pair you'll ever wear or its free guarantee. Shop Tommy John's friends and family sale right now and get 25% off site-wide at TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. TommyJohn.com slash Spotify. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Etsy. Sound the gifting panic alarm. You need to get an amazing gift. Wait, no, the perfect gift. Relax. Now you can use gift mode on Etsy. Gift mode on Etsy takes the stress out of gifting, so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion. It's easy. Just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. So you started sharing your life with the world. Were you about 13? Is that right? Yeah, well, yeah, I was I was always doing like videos with with my family and then I did videos with like uh, my friends in the street ever since like I was eight or nine. And those videos didn't get published on on YouTube. Obviously, they were just like I just love making content and I love creating videos and editing videos. It was just like a a hobby of mine. Mm -hmm. And then eventually I opened up the YouTube channel and then I started uploading the content that I was creating online. And I, I just loved it. Like it was a pastime. It was a hobby. It was something that I looked forward to after school. And then eventually in about 2017, one video went viral. And from then it just like sort of snowballed from there. And it just like turned into a, it accidentally turned into a career for me. And, you know, it's the best accident that could have happened. <laughs> <laughs> so we have listeners across the globe. For people that sort of aren't aware of you and, and sort of your backstory, you grew up in Derry? Yep. In Ireland, is that right? Can you give people a flavour of, of what that's like, what your town was like growing up? Yeah, of course. Um, well, Derry Derry's a very small city in Northern Ireland. I mean, everyone knows everyone in Derry. It's like that kind of place where, like, you know, if you do anything different, 
you're you're known for it. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in school, when I went to I went to an all boys school, um, and when I started making YouTube videos and when I started like creating content um, online everyone knew me as the youtube guy and everyone sort of attached that name to me like oh he does youtube videos no he's like whatever it was just like name calling central and growing up during that time especially trying to manage school work with like youtube and then trying to manage just sort of emotions and, and life balance as well it was very difficult because you know, you were getting this constant stream of like, oh, what are you doing? That's that's wrong. That's that, that's not normal um, on, on one end. But then when you come back home, I'm only so, so glad that I had my mom and dad because they were like true, true supporters of me and my YouTube channel. I 100% believe that without them, I probably would have given up years ago and I would have probably given in to like the school bullies and the people who, who told me it was different and the people who told me that I shouldn't be doing it. So yeah, mom and dad were huge motivators for me and they were huge inspirations to keep doing what I was doing because they they could see the enjoyment that I was getting from creating content mm-hmm. uh, and making videos and editing videos. Like I just loved creating a piece of content that people could react to. And I think my mom and dad seen that in me and they saw that I really enjoyed doing this. So they just wanted to, you know, keep motivating me to do it more. And they sort of, you know, talked me through to sort of manage my emotions with people saying what they were saying in school and whatnot so um yeah i'm glad i took on their advice and i'm glad that i listened to mom and dad and not the people in school because that, that was going to be one of my next questions i'm sorry first of all that i mean i find that so much with people that i speak to that do something you know slightly outside the box yeah. and then of course it becomes something that's really celebrated and yeah. actors and musicians and certainly comedians like we're always the ones not always but a lot, a lot of the time we're the ones at school that like I don't know, didn't have their gang and had to find an outlet somewhere else to mm. find connection and find yeah. friendship. And whether that was, you know, for you via the internet and via your, your sort of fans and subscribers and connecting with people like that. Or, you know, for me, it was going to like a drama club and finding people that were a bit quirky and finding people that were a bit different for want of a better word. But I wondered because you were, I guess at the beginning when you first started putting videos out, it wasn't you were just a guy that was putting videos out before you had that viral video. Yeah. Were you getting, I mean, how many, how many views would a video get? Oh, would it be in the hundreds or the thousands? No, 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 no. Way, way smaller than that. It would be minimal. Like, cause obviously when you're first starting out anywhere, everyone, everyone starts at zero. Right. So you have to, sure. you, have, you have to work, you work your way up from zero. So slowly, but surely, I mean, probably took, I don't know, a, a guts of a year to, to get even like 10, 10, 20 views on, on one video. And even right. then it's probably all views from me and my mom or something. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, but then when you got to a hundred one day, were you like, mom, dad, it's a hundred. I went viral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it took, it took a very long time. And, you know, I think, I think that just shows the passion that I have for it because mm-hmm. I never started YouTube with the intentions of it becoming a career. Like I was dead set on, going to uni and you know you know getting getting my degree and then going into like a, a, a proper job in, in quotation marks yeah um and you know that that was my plan and, and my mum and dad like sort of agreed that that was my plan as well so youtube was very much like a like a side hustle but like not not even a side hustle it was more like just a, a side hobby that i had that was mm-hmm. like that i just got enjoyment from and just worked on in my spare time you know in between exams and homeworks and and, and whatnot i always gave myself a commitment to do at least one video a week when i was at school um so there was that commitment there but it was still very much a hobby i think that takes such a strength of self and such a strength of character 
to keep going with something because I think so often you'll look at someone that's like enormously successful. I mean, when I was like doing my research for you this week and you know watching some of your videos and like being across <laughs> your content and your Instagram and like I mean the idea that <laughs> half a billion views yeah. more than half a billion views is just I mean it's phenomenal it's incredible mm. and people sort of assume I often think with that sort of rise to the top people always think it happens overnight people always think that you make a video and then all of a sudden you're a big deal mm. but you know I think that it's such an important message to put out to the world that so much of being a success in any profession is about tenacity. Yeah. It's about turning up and doing it. And Malcolm Gladwell, who's a writer, philosopher type guy, I guess, uh, famously said that you need 10,000 hours of anything to get good at it. Mm, yes, that's right. I love hearing that, you know, that it was really for you to come home and to, you know, I guess, keep making those improvements and working yeah. out what was working and working out, oh, people seem to like this and seem to like yeah, that yeah, yeah, to yeah. create that audience that want to come back. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, anyone, anyone can get like an overnight, like viral video, but it's, it's how people maintain that, that, mm -hmm. that shows their success then, because, you know, I, I could have very easily, like after my first viral video, be like, Hey, got a viral video, job's done, wash my mm -hmm. hands, you know, yep. onto the next thing. But like, I wanted to prove to myself that it wasn't just a one-off. Mm -hmm. And I could prove that, you know, I could I, I could do this again. Um, and I, I felt like it, it was like an unhealthy obsession after my first viral video of like, right, I need to prove to not only everyone else, but I need to prove to myself that I can do this again. And I have it in me to, to create, you know, more content that can go viral and content that people really tune into. And it, it, it just snowballed from there. So it's like how people maintain that and how mm -hmm. people scale, you know, that first bit of success, because you know, it's, it's very hard and, and people might see see success through rose tinted glasses sometimes. And, and maybe because one thing worked a certain way at a certain time period doesn't mean that it's going to work again in the mm -hmm. same way in a different time period. You know, it's, it's it's very different. And YouTube, I'm sure you know yourself, Susie, with like being on socials. It's like there's so many different trends and things are changing every single day and every single week. It's like you do need to be tapped in and you need to have your fingers in all these pies to really know what's going on. Oh, for sure. I've got no idea how any of it works. I'm absolutely rubbish <laughs> on social media. I, I'm, I've got two TikTok videos and it's just my stand-up. It's, it's just something that I don't excel at. But I think you're absolutely right. It's an incredible way of connecting with people. It's something that I, I probably should learn how to do at some point, but that's not the conversation for this. Uh, <laughs> I'll teach you. I'll teach you, Susie. I'll teach you. <laughs> so what was that video that broke through? What were you doing in it? It was such a simple idea. I came back home from school uh, on a Friday evening, I got showered, got dressed, and it wasn't a video that I necessarily planned well in advance. It was just something that I thought would be a good idea. And it was basically um, asking Siri, you know, the iPhone assistant, mm -hmm. um, like different questions. Um, and the questions that I would ask would give like funny responses back. So it's like mm -hmm. questions like little Easter eggs that not many people knew that Siri yeah. could do. Um, so I did like a list, a list of those in the video. Um, and then uploaded it. So shot that on the Friday, uploaded it on the Sunday. Uh, it was all fine. And then Tuesday I was sitting in my bedroom doing like homework or whatever, revision. And my phone was started buzzing like mad. <laughs> like I still had the- getting hot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was like vibrating like mad. <laughs> and I, I turned, I had still had the notifications turned on um, for like YouTube mm -hmm. comments and YouTube. Oh, I bet like, they've been off for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
so like all of a sudden I was just doing my homework and then boom the phone just goes crazy and I, I was like what is going on so I checked my phone and then um, YouTube has this feature where you can see like the graph like the real time graph of oh, like wow. you know the views that's coming yeah, in yeah, that yeah, minute yeah, yeah. and I checked it and it was just like a massive massive spike and I was like what what's happening I tried to check everything I called my dad up I called my mom up I showed them they were like is this really like you know what wh- what's going on here and to this day I still you know I still don't know why that video in particular went like went viral in the way that it did um you know I I didn't do it around a time where the iPhone was being released. I didn't do it around the time that Siri was introduced. I didn't do it around the time that Apple announced some big news. It was like it was very random and just very out of out of the blue. It was it was crazy. And so, what age were you then? Uh, I think this was back in 2017, so five years ago. I would have been just before I turned 18, so I would have been 17. Yeah, 17. And so, what happened at school then to those like naysayers or those people that thought you were? Yeah. unusual or that was uh, yeah that was uploaded in march so from march until um about june uh time when i when i finished for the summer break that was the weirdest period for me um going to school because all of a sudden i, I went from this guy creating videos that was getting like barely any views and people were just like making fun of me and whatnot mm. to like this guy who's getting like 30k followers on a weekend because of a viral video and that was like compounding like i think i reached 100k before i finished school um that that year and like everyone i think everyone who was like saying like was was doubting me in school were like taking a step back and going hmm this is strange Hmm. (laughs) um and they were not as doubtful anymore and they weren't you know the the name calling sort of sort of eased a bit um of course you still got name calling and, and all that mm-hmm. in school when you when you do youtube but um yeah it, it was a very weird time period for me because i seen all the people sort of their eyes sort of just widened slightly mm-hmm. at like what what happened and what was happening and and my eyes were widening as well i was like <laughs> what is going on if it's like someone like inputted a cheat code into youtube for my channel and then i'm just like growing like crazy so it was a time in my life where i'll never forget um, and it was just like, it, it's, it was just so bizarre in a really good way. I mean, I, I can't, obviously, uh, I can't speak for everyone, but I feel like it's maybe around that time of secondary school that you first, I'll speak for myself and then you can tell me whether you agree. I know that it was around that time that I sort of started realising like, ah, oh, I'm, I'm not attracted to boys. I'm <laughs> attracted to some of the girls in my class. Was your sexuality maybe coming to the fore around that time in secondary school when you were first creating those videos? Um, I think so. I think it I think it, it probably was there even well, well before that. And I think mm-hmm. it's something that I had this toxic relationship with because like if, if that thought ever came into my head, like, you know, if I found a guy attractive, I would shut that out and I would say, that's wrong, Adam. You shouldn't be thinking like that. And that's, that was my headspace at a young age. Um, and that was, I would say that was well years before I started creating content on YouTube. And so, yeah, that would, that, that shows you where my headspace was. And, um, I was just very much on, on the assumption that that was wrong and any feelings or any thoughts about that was wrong. Um, and that was right up until even after I finished school. So yeah, I've had, I've had like that sort of grappling issue since since a young age um and of course it's only up until recently where i've decided to say you know what it's not wrong and it's something that should be that i should be proud of and something that should be 
you know, celebrated because a lot of people ha- have the same thoughts or have the same sort of, you know, sort of toxic thinking of, 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 of what people might think and, and what, what, what's right and what's wrong, but there is no right and there is no wrong. It's like you do you and love is love. Like love should never be viewed as something that, that's bad. It's like you, you're caring for another being in this planet. Like how is that bad? You know what I mean? I'm sure lots of listeners will know, but you know, Northern Ireland is quite a religious place. I think yeah. it's fair to say. And so were you at a school where you were having mass and you were, there was a lot of yeah, yeah. religion. Um, like religious studies and RE was like, it, it's part of the curriculum here in, in, in Northern Ireland. And, you know, I, I grew up in a, in a Catholic school um, and, you know, my, my grandparents are very religious and, and they would go to mass, you know, religiously every week. Um, and, you know, I, again, it just shows you where, where I was at mentally, but I was like, I was, I was like scared that they wouldn't accept me because of, of their, you know, of their faith and because of, of, of their beliefs. But whenever I did come out to them, they, 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 they welcomed me with open arms and like, they just said, Adam, wise up. Why will we ever, you know, not accept you? You're, you're our grandson and we love you. And you know, that's them speaking, even as people who come from a very religious background. Like I know I come from a religious background, but I've never like practiced faith in the same way that my, my grandparents did. Cause they're very strict on going to mass every week where I, I, I wasn't, I just sort of went, went to mass as part of, as part of the school curriculum. And, you know, whenever school needed me to be there. Um, so yeah, it was very daunting that aspect of it. Definitely like, you know, coming from, you know, if, from a place where, you know, you, you go to Catholic school, you're, you're, you're brought up in a very religious sort of setting with, with, you know, Northern Ireland being quite, quite, you know, a religious place to, to grow up in, you know, with, with the, with Catholics, with Protestants and whatnot. Yeah. It was just, it was something that I, I sort of, I think that just played into the whole, the whole cycle of like, Oh, should I do it? Should I not? Should I keep it a secret? Should I just go out and tell everyone? Um, so yeah, it was this wheel of, of just, perpetual doom where I was like, what do I do? Am I doing the right thing? Like, you know, it was just, it was uh, to this, to this day, like I've never been through something as exhausting and as draining and as just mentally fatiguing as, as that process. I found that I sort of was doing like a mental gymnastics every day of like, mm. how, how do I do this? What do I do this? Are people going to find out? Is this obvious? Is this, yeah. It feels like there's like a sign on your head that's like, gay! <laughs> <laughs> you're yeah. like constantly trying to turn the light off. Like, where is the light for this neon sign? <laughs> but that's how I felt. Like it was just this thing that I was carrying that everyone would know. And then, and then strangely after coming out for me, it sort of felt like the thing that I then had to carry was this sort of, not that I was necessarily ashamed of myself, but because I'd carried this sort of weight of shame for such a mm. long time, it's not like you come out and you're like, oh, okay, well, that's that done. Yeah. Because you've mm. had that in your head for so long and had those yeah. thoughts and those, that sort of, I don't know, like doom talking to yourself. Yeah. That you don't just wake up one morning and go, well, that's all gone because it's yeah. been in there. Yeah, 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 totally. I, I, I totally agree. I think that, you know, um, Dom, my boyfriend, he said that, you know, coming out, it isn't, uh, it's not a destination. It's, it's, it's a journey, right? So even mm-hmm. after, even after when you do come out and when you're happy and you're confident enough to do that, you know, it's not like, as you say, Susie, it's not like you just wash your hands and that's it done. Like that's a, that's a whole process in itself where you have to, you know, cause you, you've came from like months 
uh, or possibly even years of like telling yourself that this is wrong and this is something that you should be ashamed of to then being like, ah, okay, I should be proud of this. I should be celebrating this. I should be, you know, so it is like mentally, it's like a, it's a 180 flip. It's like a, mm -hmm. you know, you're, you're, you're completely switching mindsets after, after the day where you choose to come out. So yeah, it is, it's a, it's a process that you have to sort of get used to and also a process that, you know, it's a lovely process that maybe we're making it sound like it's a scare, you know, it is scary, but it's not like, it's not a bad process, like making, making yourself realize that it's not something you should be ashamed of. And it's actually something that you should be proud of. It's a lovely process. And it's a process that, you know, I'm so glad that I've, I've been able to do. And I'm so glad that I've had the support around me to be able to do. But Dom has been such a, like a pillar in my journey because he's, he's, he was currently, well, he was out, um, at the time when I met him. Um, and he has been like such a, such a rock in that, in that aspect of like, you know, sort of helping me come to terms with who I am and, and just sort of navigating, helping me navigate that, that process and that journey. Um, and it's something that I think he'll never really truly, believe the the impact that it, that it had on me because i mean without dom i do believe that i probably would still be living in denial right now and, and probably still be you know saying that those thoughts and the, the attraction that i was 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 feeling towards guys is wrong um and it's mm -hmm. it's not wrong um so yeah dom dom has been like such a He's, he's half decent, Dom. He's, he's all right. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's true, whether it's a friend or a family member or, or a partner. You know, when you're taking those first steps to come out or to even just to come out to yourself. Yeah. To like get okay with the idea of it yourself. You know, having someone to hold your hand, you know, sometimes physically and sometimes, you know. Metaphorically. Uh, metaphorically yeah. You know, seeing someone that is out and happy is... It feels like magic, I think. I mean, it's the whole reason that I do this podcast and that, you know, I remember going up to Brighton from Portsmouth when I was a teenager and seeing happy gay people and being like, oh, it's possible. I remember thinking things like, oh, I suppose their mum and dads know that they're gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which of course they were grown-ups, of course their parents knew. Yeah. Well, you know, I assume most of their parents knew and, and it seemed so inspiring to me that these people were being themselves yeah and i think having someone whether it's close up or even someone at a distance you know and i'm sure that you've been that person via your youtube channel for i mean hundreds thousands of people that that see you and go look how happy he is look how mm. assured he is in himself and and he survives and i think you're right i think that it's whilst coming out is a scary process i would hate anyone to listen to this and then think oh god that sounds terrifying but i think coming out is the scariest and best thing I've yeah. ever done. Yeah, I totally agree. It's terrifying. And I wouldn't lie and say, oh no, it was for me. I think for some people it, it's different, but for me it was, yeah, it was, it was terrifying. But it's something that I love about myself now. For a long time, I really yeah. was ashamed and embarrassed about this, this part of myself. But now it's the thing that, I, I mean, I love that I'm gay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We love it. We love yeah, it. Yeah, it's great. One thing that I can compare it to is um, I did a skydive a few years ago uh, when I was in America. And, you know, I'm, I'm playing this down massively, but just so that some people can sort of get it in, in, in layman's terms, it's like going up uh, in that in that plane. I, I viewed that as like my sort of grappling with who I am and like figuring myself out. Like going up in that plane, you're really like... Don't want to say the word but you're really 
pooing yourself, right? Like you're going <laughs> off and you know, you know where you want to get to and you know what you're about to do, but the the feeling is still consuming you like oh my goodness what am i about to do i'm about to jump out of this plane aka i'm about to come out to people who i love and people you know who watch my videos whatever um and the moment like when the door opens at the back of the plane and you're ready to jump out you're like oh my goodness am i actually about to do this am i about to do this and when you make that leap and when you make that jump you don't look back because you're loving life and you're loving, you're loving the free fall of that skydive. And you're, you know, you feel so free. And that's, that's what I can compare coming out to. It's like, you, you, you're terrified by it. You're, you're absolutely like, you, you can't even think about how you're going to do it. And, and when you finally do do it, it's like the best thing ever. And you don't, you don't look back. Um, and that, that's, that's a hundred percent. So yeah, I do agree with you. It's the most terrifying, but also the most freeing, and the most mm. liberal thing ever. And it's, it's just, it's just, you know, fantastic. Like life, life ever since, um, when I came out to, to my mom and dad, especially has just been fantastic because, you know, I, I kept it secret from mom and dad for about, a, uh, well, I kept, you know, the fact that I've met Dom, uh, secret for about a month. And then that's when I came out to mom and dad. And when I came out to mom and dad, it was just, it was, I just can't describe it. It's just so, so good because I feel like I, I could be, hundred percent myself with people that I love most. Um, mm. and there's no more beautiful thing I think than, than being yourself. Um, and yeah, uh, that was shortly before Christmas last year and we had the best Christmas ever. <laughs> <laughs> was it when you moved? Cause I know you moved to Manchester to do, was that to, to do Blue Peter? Yeah. So I moved to Manchester part-time. So I had like a little flat there. Um, and it was quite nice. It was like, you know, for, so for part of the week, I could be like a proper adult where I was going to do my own washing, my own cooking. <laughs> well, I say my own cooking, but you know, half the time it was just like ordering Nando's to the flat. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, moving, moving out, it gave me, um, gave me a sort of newfound respect for my mom. Cause I realized all the work, all the hard work that she does to run a house, <laughs> like all the cooking and the cleaning and whatnot. But I moved, moved out part time. And, and when I was in Manchester, and after COVID sort of, and all the COVID uh, regulations sort of relaxed and places started to open again, I wanted to sort of explore Manchester more. And in a way, probably just explore myself because I've never had time in Derry in Northern Ireland to to go out and to socialize with people because, you know, Derry is quite a hot spot for like my fans. And, you know, I just, and I never felt like 100% comfortable going out in Derry and you know, going to, a, a, not to a restaurant, but to like going on a night out in Derry, it just seemed very like, like a no-go area for me. So going out in Manchester was, was quite nice because it's like, I could, you know, sort of let my hair down in a way and just like, sort of just be me and socialize with people. And, and that's when I met Dom, met Dom on a night out. And then we exchanged numbers. And then I asked him, you know, does he know any nice restaurants in Manchester? And he, he recommended an Italian called Piccolinos and then we organized our first date to be in Piccolinos. When you talk about Dom, your face changes and it's <laughs> the most beautiful thing. So when you met Dom in this bar and obviously you were maybe, you know, were, were you out to yourself then? Were you out to anybody? Had you said it aloud? No, no. Um, so like when I met Dom, Dom knew that I was like not out. So he knew that I was struggling with it. Um, Don was out at this point, so he was quite relaxed in yeah, himself. Yeah, great. Um, but at that point, obviously, um, I wasn't, and I was, you know, calling calling a spade a spade here. I was probably like, I was probably lying. Not probably, I was lying to myself. I was, I was, 
I was saying like, it, it sounds awful, but I was saying to myself, like, this is a phase, it'll probably pass. Um, and I was like, under that sort of mindset that, you know, this is, you know, I know this is probably not right. And this is something that will sort of pass. And, and, and it was, it's totally toxic thinking on my part and totally like unhealthy mentally for me to be even mm-hmm. thinking like that at that stage when I met Dom, I was, I was in that mindset and it took, it took Dom to, to take me from that mindset, um, to, to where I am. No, I do, I do put a lot of credit to Dom because Dom sort of got me to where, to where I am today and, and, and my sort of mental, uh, attitude towards it and my, my, just my whole sort of aura about it. It's just, it's completely changed to, to what it was back, back then. Like, when I do think about how I was thinking back then, it sort of cringes me out, but not, not even in like a, you know, like a cringy way, but also like a really unhealthy, like a way that I, I can't believe I was even thinking along, along that way. You know, it was just, it was just, I just can't believe I was, I was thinking like that. But you should have compassion for that version of yourself as well. Mm. Because I think that, you know, we do grow up in, whilst the world is improving, there's still a lot of countries where it's illegal to be gay. There's still a lot of countries where it's punishable by death. There's a lot, you know, there's, it's very rare to find a storyline on national television or even in movies where the story is, and they were gay and it was fine yeah. and they were happy. You know, it's still, the undercurrent of homophobia is still pretty loud. Mm. And so I think that when you're thinking about yourself then, yeah, don't be too hard on yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, anyway. I think, I think it's just the contrast of like my mental capacity now compared to my mental capacity back then. Like when I do compare it, it's like, wow, there's a stark difference. And it's a difference that, you know, I'm, I'm glad I'm at this point. Um, and I'm not anywhere near where I was then, because as I say, like I was, I was living very unhealthily mentally. Um, and it was very draining and I'm sure anyone, I'm sure you, Susie, probably went through a similar experience where you were like telling yourself that it's that it's not right when in fact yeah. it was fine. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not. And it was a phase and yeah, yeah so much. Mm. So much. So you came out to your mum and dad. You just met Dom. Yeah. Presumably Dom met your mum and dad some point pretty soon after. Yes. We, well, when I say soon after, it was around January, February time. So yeah, pretty, pretty soon after. Um and yeah, my mom and dad, my mom and dad loved Dom and we, uh-huh. we arranged like a, a, a day um, where his mom and dad could actually come to a restaurant and my mom and dad, it was like a little dinner date with all of us and it was lovely. Oh, that's um, nice. And they, they had the opportunity to meet for the first time and it was just, it was so bizarre for me because like literally, you know, three months prior, I was like living in secret and living in like this double, double, double life where I was like straight. Um, so yeah, it was, it was really weird to be like sat around the table with my mom and dad and my little brother with, you know, my new partner's parents as well. So it was very, that moment felt like a very round, like full circle moment for me where I was like, oh, wow. And I, what was weird is, is, is during that point, nothing felt wrong. And I think that that tells you everything you need to know about my mom and dad and about, hmm. um, and about my little brother and also about, um, Dom's mom and dad, like at no point during that like dinner date with all of us did I feel like uncomfortable or did I feel like this was wrong? And I think that also showed you sort of my progression with, you know, with, with it all as well. Like, you know, being able to, to actually 
love i don't want to say love with it because love with it it makes it sound like it's a, some sort of you know condition it's not but you know mm. making it more normal for me to sort of visualize myself in you know what i mean at peace with yourself yeah exactly yeah get ready for the greatest roast of all time the roast of tom brady a netflix live event happening may 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. I know you came out in July, and I've got to say, anyone that hasn't seen the video, I know that there'll be lots of people listening that are massive fans of yours that have come to the podcast for the first time. So hello to you guys. <laughs> but there'll also be loads of listeners that, that, that maybe aren't sort of into YouTube. But I highly recommend absolutely everyone go and watch the, the video where you come out because it is, it's such a beautiful, hopeful video with you and your mum and your dad on the sofa and your little brother. It's just such a message of joy and hope that I think that you know, maybe some of our older listeners will be so heartened by that that was your experience. So was there a period where you were thinking, okay, now I just need to say this because I don't want it to, not outed, but like I want to come out on my own terms. Yeah, yeah. That was probably the the hardest thing for me because after I came out to my mom and dad and, um, you know, after Dom's parents met my parents, like, after that point, it felt like, all oh, right, everyone knows it's fine. I can love life now. Mm-hmm. It's great. Um, but I was still, even at that point, I was still lying to myself in a sense because I was still, you know, outwardly straight to, to my YouTube fans. And I was mm-hmm. still like living as a straight man, but behind closed doors as a gay man. Um, and I wanted to tell everyone and I wanted to come out to everyone, um, especially after coming out to mom and dad because of how like, freeing it felt but then i realized that not everyone is going to have the same reaction as my mom and dad because my mom and dad are super supportive um so like for example my grandparents like i chatted about them because they were quite religious i was very scared to to open up to them just in case they might like you know not accept me and you know not ever have me in their house again like that's what i was thinking um but then when it came to youtube and and what my subscribers would think and what my what my viewers would think I had a really like sort of seesaw moment for months um, mm. with with my mum and dad and, and with Dom. And like, if you were chatting to Dom, he would probably say that was the most frustrating thing in the relationship because even after having the confidence to come out to mum and dad and, and to Callum, I was like on the seesaw, like nearly every week for months, like, uh, yes, I'm going to, I'm going to come out to, to everyone on YouTube and, you know, everyone's going to know it to like the next week being like, ah, no, I don't think, I think, you know, it might, might ruin my career it might you know mm. I, I was thinking all all that sort of like catastrophical sort of scenarios where it was like that's why i tipped this he saw the other the other way i did that for weeks on end for months on end and it was it was very consuming um and very exhausting for me but also for dom especially because like i think at that point too he was like you know he was giving me time and he was giving me, he was giving me a lot of patience um but i think you know at some point you're like okay adam like you know where are we here? Because in a relationship, you need to communicate, right? And and for me, I don't think I was communicating in the best way with Dom because, you know, I, I was saying that I was going to do something one week and then changing my mind the next, you know, just because of these like sort of inhibitions in my brain that I was like, oh, I don't know if it's the right thing. And 
you know, so yeah, I was very, very indecisive around that period from about, I would say April up until July, where I was just constantly like battling. Yes, no, do I come out to the fans? Do I not do whatever? At one point, like near the end of Blue Peter, I started to, to realize something more and more. And I started to gain this confidence where I was like, you know what? I'm, I don't care. I don't care what people are going to think. I don't care if some people don't accept me because you know what? The people who don't accept me, they shouldn't have been the people who were watching my videos in the first place because they're not the type of people who I want to entertain. They're not the type of people that I would want in my company. Um, So I came to that realization near the end of Blue Peter where I was like, you know what? I'm me and I'm at a stage now where I'm tired of thinking about what everyone else might think and I'm tired of of thinking about other people's feelings. It's time for me to think about my own and it's time for me to 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 take some action. Um and then that's when I decided to to publish the video. So yeah, it's a time of my life that I'm grateful that I went through and I'm so glad to see the the other side of it now because life is full of colour now, pardon the pun, but it really is. And and how was the response on YouTube? I was in LA when when the video got published. So um, uh, it got published around 10 a.m. our time, which was 6 p.m. UK time. I was in LA and <laughs> my mom, uh, she cracked open like a, a bottle of bubbles and we all had like, <laughs> we all had like a little glass of bubbles with our breakfast, like cheers in each other. And we watched the video go out. Um, and yeah, <laughs> I was 100% expecting a lot of negativity because, you know, I've never sort of alluded to the fact that I might be gay or, you know, some people might've known it or some people might've, you know, might've suspected it, but I've never, I've never like sort of confronted it before um, in terms of like having like a personal sit down chat with, with, with my audience. So this was the first time where I got like really, where I was really open and really honest and I got really personal with, with my viewers. It's, it's probably one of the only videos where I feel like I've laid myself on a plate and gave it to, to people. Um, so that video went out and the response was just absolutely amazing. Like the, the comments started flo- flooding in and I started getting tagged uh, and like, you know, Instagram pictures and then comments on Instagram and whatnot. And everybody's every, well, 99% of, of, of the, people's people's response was just so overwhelmingly positive like it was it was just more than i could ever imagine and of course yeah you're going to have that one percent that are like uh unsubscribing didn't know you were gay oh you know that's that's so uncool or whatever but nine times out of ten those people are probably kids or probably you know mm-hmm. people who come from families that you know being gay is probably not the right thing and maybe it's against the religion and whatnot so there was a slight minority, of course, that that reacted in a in a negative way. And it was interesting to see because like on that day you could see the the subscriber growth, but also the subscriber like deficit as well. And, and you know, I did lose around five thousand subscribers, but I gained like, you know, eight. I'm not saying I did this for any sort of, you know, growth or whatnot, but no. it was interesting to see the, the the people that were currently watching my videos who didn't agree with me being gay. And that was around 5,000 of them, which in the grand scheme of things, I'm, I'm happy because I've never wanted to to have those people in my sort of community anyway. Like anyone who doesn't agree with that, it's not really people that I want to be be associated with. So I'm glad that that is now out and that I'm out and that, you know, everyone is, is supportive of it. And it's just great. I mean, 
it's just life. Life in general is just amazing. Like being able to go out in public with with Dom and and not having to worry about like mm-hmm. you know watching your back because like for the longest time as well from like December up until July. If I was ever out in public with Dom, I was very, very, very paranoid. I was like looking over my shoulder. I was like, oh God, what if we get a picture taken? Um, Just because, you know, as you said, Susie earlier, it's like, you know, this is my story and I want to be the author. I don't want anyone else to tell it for me. So yeah, I was very paranoid for months, like just watching our backs every time I was out with Dom. But nowadays it's, it's fantastic. I can go out not have to worry about, you know, I actually love getting pictures taken with me and Dom. And I just love like what's so heartwarming as well is like seeing, seeing kids and seeing families want to take pictures with me, but also with Dom and like in a way not normalize it because I know it's, you know, the UK and Ireland, it's come on leaps and bounds from where it was, you know, decades ago. But like, even with a young audience, I feel like there's some level of responsibility for me to also just make it less of a, a thing, you know, with my, with my viewers. And it's just so, so nice to see. And that's one thing that, that always sort of touches my heart in a way is like, you know, these, these kids and these families, they, they still want to support me and they still want to take pictures with me, but not also, not, not only me, but also my, my boyfriend and, you know, seeing it be normalized with families and, and with kids is like, it's, it's just so nice. And it's, you know, cause I had have wished someone like me existed when I was growing up and, you know, around, around the time when I was like in school, because if I did, I probably would have came out a lot earlier and probably would have had less of those toxic thoughts later in life. Um, so yeah, it's, it's something that I'll always feel like I have massive responsibility over, but also something that's so rewarding for me that, you know, it's not a taboo. Um, and it's not something that like needs to be like, you know, the elephant in the room. It's like, it's very much there and if you accept it great if you don't fine move on i'm not for you i think that's brilliant and as you say like people asking photos with you and dom oh i just think that's so special yeah i think that's just so wonderful and i think that you've moved more hearts and minds than you'll ever know i imagine adam (laughs) so well done for that thank you so i always ask uh one final question to absolutely everyone that comes on the show and i'm thinking about that version of adam Maybe when you were at school and you were making your videos and you weren't, you were getting 10 views and maybe five of them were you and four of them were your (laughs) mum and then one of them was some random as well. (laughs) Um, But, you know, it doesn't have to be reaching out to a version, to to yourself in the past. It can be you reaching out to someone that's in that position right now. Um, If you could reach out to them and give them a bit of advice or give them a few words of encouragement, what would you say? Um, My advice would be to talk one word to talk and it's easier said than done but honestly like keeping keeping something like that to yourself and bottling it up and 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 making yourself feel like it's wrong that is the wrong thing to do being open being honest and talking with someone will do more than you'll ever imagine because a problem shared is a problem halved and for me opening up to mom and dad that was the best thing that i've ever done and I felt a million times better after I did that. So if you are in a similar position, talk. What a perfect way to end the show. Well, I have loved talking to you this morning, Adam. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me, Susie. I had such a great time. Thank you. (laughs) Well, that was the wonderful Adam B. Please keep up with everything he's doing. He's so fantastic. I loved that chat. Now, I'll be back next week with another brilliant conversation and you take care. Okay, bye-bye.